Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, everyone. It is me at the top of the show to let you know of all the shows I'm doing this year at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. If you've got kids, I'm doing Humankind weekends at the Q Courthouse. 11.30 is the time. Nice time. You can finish, go and have some lunch around in Q. It's a very nice area. Uh, the show's really lovely. I really like doing it. The audiences who have been in Perth and Launceston and Bendigo have all enjoyed it. So come along, especially if you've got kids aged between like 5 and 9, 4 and 10. You, you know your kids. If they're smart kids and they can sit in a room and concentrate for 50 minutes and they're four years old, bring them along. They'll get it. They'll understand. Uh, tickets are at joshearl.com.au. Also, I have the four shows at European Beer Cafe, the Don't You Know Who I Am's. They're selling very well. So if you're thinking, oh, I do want to come, I've just got to um, wait for a bit to get my tickets. Don't wait too long because the first show in particular, great lineup and also is looking close to being pretty full. So tickets are at joshearl.com.au. That's Saturdays at 3 p.m. at Morris House, which is European Beer Cafe, but they've just changed the name. So I'm also doing two shows at the Festival Club at Max Watts. So that's April 4 and April 18. April 4 is the 100 Hits Volume Pod Show, and April 18 is Don't You Know Who I Am. Uh, all international guests for the Don't You Know Who I Am. The 100 Hits, we're doing the best of the best of 97. It's going to be a fantastic show. Yes, I know it's late, but it's school night, but it's festival. And come on, you can you can rock up on Wednesday and tell all your work colleagues. Why am I tired? Because I saw a great show. Anyway, tickets for all these shows can be found at my website, joshearl.com.au. Hello and welcome to 100 Hits Volume Pod, the podcast that looks at the greatest compilation series this country has ever produced. And we go through it album by album. My name is Josh Earl. Today, first time guest on the show, very special guest. Can you please welcome into your ears, it's Alex Ward. Yay. Hello, Josh. Thank you for having me. Thank you for doing this one. A very uh, prestigious one, can I say, Alex? Is it a big year? It is a big year. And this is a big album because when I introduced this podcast to the world everyone was like going oh my god hits 97 the music was either my first album or my most treasured album when I was a teenager so we're now finally up to 97 the music normally it's hundreds of hits volume whatever for this one for some reason they just go you know what 97 it must be a very important year we're just going to call this 97 the music do you think it was the age that most of your friends were at? Because if I was eight, say you're a few years older than me and everyone yep. would say 11, 12, that's a big age to be yeah. listening to music. That's when your feelings really kick in. Well, I was 16 when this came 16, out. 16, were you? Okay. So I was, I was at a point where I was starting to not get, oh, maybe get snobby about music, but it was like a real. <laughs> you're going to say get horny. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, that was, that was, I was well past that. That was, we talked about that <laughs> with the E17 boys. Uh, but I. <laughs> I, yeah, was starting to go pop music. Oh, gross. And now I've come back around. Yeah. Yeah. What kind of music are you into, Alex? Last few years. I know you like Wet Leg because we talked about that. uh, I do. I do like Wet Leg. Look, I'm definitely not. um, Of course, I went through a snobby phase, but looking back at the music I liked, I had no right to be a snob. Um, I went through a folk stage in my late teens where I was like, oh, I only listened to Joni Mitchell or in a dark phase. I was big into like Portishead. Nice. Um, but before that, there was quite a bit of Xavier Rudd. So I, I just, I don't get the rights to be jealous. I've always been a pop, um, like unashamedly into pop music. Yeah. Um, like I think Dua Lipa's album was like the best pop album of the decade. Like that's, you know, yep. how I felt at the time. And, um, but other than that, yes, I do like I also went through the indie rock phase that everyone goes through in the yeah. late teens, the 
the uh, Arctic Monkeys. So, so you example. would have been around like so Arctic Monkeys, Block Party, the Kooks. Were you that that kind of Mate, generation? The Kooks. I was cooking out at every yeah. party. I was cooking out. Um, that was it. What else did we have? We had um, Take Me On. Who sang that? Do 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 do. Franz Ferdinand. Franz Ferdinand. That was yeah. like my little era. Yeah. Um, but as I've grown older, I think I think it's definitely I've had a big return to pop. Like when yeah. I was in in primary school, I loved it. Um, big return to pop and still a bit of, yeah, indie or like um, I lean towards, I'm like Frank Ocean is good yeah. as well as I rap even, big Kendrick Lamar fan. I so, guess I have very broad taste. I think pop is like more interesting these days because back in, like we're about to go into this in this series where it just, they figured out, Max Martin and his gang of producers figured out how to make pop songs. So they all sounded the same. So all your Britneys and Backstreet Boys, NSYNC, all that kind of stuff is just go. Oh yeah. yeah, we've figured out the formula, and now with like hip hop being so influential, pop songs are now using the same kind of beats and stuff, and so it's actually way more yeah. interesting. Yeah, I 100 percent agree. If this sums up anything, this is the first year in three years that Rihanna wasn't my most listened to artist. I don't go. even share it at the end of the year because it's humiliating that it's a five year old album or more. It's like eight years old consideration stuff and i'm like oh god i can't share that i only listen to that again i talked about this with guy montgomery but i can't share mine either because my kids listen to on my spotify and so my (laughs) one year was uh skrillex was the most listened to song like they listened to bangarang (laughs) like over two thousand times or something like that yeah so So your kids aren't even being obvious children they're not playing like the wiggles they're humiliating you with just terrible stuff it's so funny my kids have never been into the wiggles even when they were like three and four, they're like, nah, not not into this one. Like they liked Yo Gabba Gabba. Maybe they inherited your great, they inherited your good music taste. Or, or maybe I'm just a neglectful parent and didn't even show them much of it. I didn't anyway. like the Wiggles growing up. Yeah, see, I was too old for it. That was I remember the Wiggles came out when I was like 13, 14, and it was like, oh, this is the worst production show ever, but everyone loved it. <laughs> um, all right, now, so you mentioned in 97 you were eight years old. Yeah, and I was big into music then. Like I was getting up to watch Rage and video hits every right. weekend. Yeah. Are you the youngest in your family? Middle. Middle. Uh, I'm middle too. So your older brother, was he influential in your music taste? Not at that age. As I as I got a bit older, I think around my preteens, he actually was very generous older brother in showing me the way in many things. But yep. music was one thing he kept closer to him. I think he was like, you're not having that as well. Yeah. Um, or maybe think- he's... Saw you're, me listening to Spice Girls when I was seven and was like, we won't ever align. I also think you're, you're a generation more where people listen to music on headphones. So I think that's yeah, why. Definitely. I'm, my, my brother didn't really listen to music much, and uh, but I know other people's brothers, I'd go around their houses and they'd always be listening in their room to like metal as loud as they could. And you're like, that must just seep into you. You must go, oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm, into, I'm into Metallica. Yeah, uh, I think the most progressive thing I did was the Walkman with um, Smashing Pumpkins, but my older cousin gave me the tape. That was yeah. me moodily in the back seat. Great. All right. All right. We're going to kick this off. We're going to kick it off with some Swedes. We've talked about Swedes a lot on this show, but it's always been with Eurodance. This is the first time we've had a Swedish indie rock band. This is the Cardigans, and they're probably – the song that everyone thinks about when they think of the cardigans. This is Love Fool. Bling bit. Yeah, yeah. I've never really picked it up until listening to it on headphones now. Yeah, that's the. That. It's okay. Wind chime. Yeah. Pause it there. Okay. 
So that's that's the. It's a good song. It's a really good song. It's such a good little pop song. Uh, every time I listen to it, though, I just think of the soundtrack to Romeo and Juliet. That's like me for so many songs from that era. Yeah. I don't know how yeah. how influential that album is, but it's come up so much in the last couple of episodes every single time. It doesn't have to be a song on it, but we're like going, oh, the, around this time, I was listening to this. Um, so I, I'd, argue, I'd argue that song could be popular today. Yes. If it I, came out today, I think it would still work. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, so the Cardigans are a five-piece band. This is from their third album which is called First Band on the Moon. They have the most Swedish-sounding names you can imagine. So Peter Svensson, Magnus Svengensen, Bengt Lagerberg, Lars Olof Johansson, and Nina Persson. Or Pearson. Oh. <laughs> but it's spelled P-E-R-S-S-O-N. Would you say that person, Pearson? I don't know. I don't know. P- Pearson, I don't know. I'm surprised there isn't just a J in there. Yeah. So Swedish. Yeah. Uh, the Cardigans belong to a small group of bands that played on the TV show Beverly Hills 90210, playing themselves, and they played at Kelly Taylor's graduation ceremony, paid for by her dad. So in the show Wait. that we all loved, Kelly Taylor's dad was like, yeah, I'm going to hire one of the biggest bands in the world at the time to play at the graduation ceremony. And they're going to go, yeah, okay, we'll, do, we'll go do that. We'll go play at a 19-year-old's uh, like graduation ceremony. So were they already successful when they played on the show? Or would this uh, get them even more, or did this great give them success? They were successful, and this was okay. also a way to break America and play Yeah, that's such America. a, I was going to say, that would have been such a strange scene yeah. to have the Swedish fan in 902. <laughs> well, this is also how big they were in 97. They were asked to provide the theme song for the Bond film Tomorrow Never Dies. And they didn't? They didn't. They turned it down because they always said, we're just too exhausted to do it. And Nina says it's the <laughs> biggest regret of her life. <laughs> they would. They could have just, I mean, I'm sure they're not up and going anymore, but they could have just retired and resigned with so much money. Yeah. I don't know who did the Tomorrow Never Dies. I'm sure a listener Was will. that Madonna? Oh, well, maybe it was. Because that was around her, like, was it just a bit before Ray of Light? Ray of Light was like 99. Yeah, she did so, the, yeah, yeah. um, she did the, she's in black and she's lying around on the floor. I don't know, but she's always doing that. But Do you know, I've never I watched a Bond film. I've watched like one. Yeah. But I, I have played Golden Bond. Eye? Yeah. Golden Eye yeah. a lot. That's, yeah. that's me too. That's all I've done as well. That was about the last time I played a video game. Um, okay. So this got the number one in New Zealand, 11 uh, here in Australia, two in the UK, and due to some weird rules in America, it wasn't el- eligible for the Billboard charts, uh, even though it got to... Because it wasn't, at the time, it wasn't American. It feels like America's only just started. I think because they didn't release it as a single, they had some weird rule, even though it was the second uh, most played song on radio in America. Wasn't allowed to chart. Yeah, so weird. Um, and Pitchfork, the online music uh, site, ranked this the 66th best song from the 90s in 2010. And they did a, the same list in 2022, and they said it was 64th. So it went up two places. It went up. They realised nothing better had come out. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think it's a really, really good song. Yeah. Well, I, I, did a, the, I did the maths. So two places every 12 years. That means by the year 20, 2406, it'll be number one if it keeps ranking two every, every 12 years. And by then, music will just be like... Yeah, it's crazy sounds. So the imagine how good it'll sound compared to just the Skrillex instrumentals that people will be listening to. Uh, I don't know. I mean, this is such a a nice song. I mean, if you don't like it, it's because you're like, oh, like I only like really hard, like kind of like industrial stuff. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. One band though who don't who didn't like them um, was there was Blur. So they were the support what band. What did Blur, Blur have against them? Well, they were Blur Support Act for uh, a huge tour, like worldwide tour. And the Blur didn't get their Swedish sense of humour because they're very dry. And in an interview on Radio Nina mentioned that the Cardigans sell more records in Japan than Blur did. And so maybe for that show they should swap and they become the headliners. And Blur and their management got really pissed off she said that. 
and wrote to their wrote to the Cardigans manager and said, what, what's going on? Why are you trying to sabotage this? And they're like, no, we're joking. And then after that, Blur didn't socialise with them. Oh, my God. Just a bunch of cranky Brits. Isn't that? Yeah, that's wild. Like, I, I know they, like, at the time in, like, 97, a fair bit of cocaine was going around and uh, – I can – Damon had a I can heroin, imagine the yeah. cardigans being like, can't you be more creative? Why is this song called Song 2? Just like <laughs> joking around and they're like. <laughs> anyway, great song. Love this song. All right, moving on. We are now a song that I have not thought about since 1997, but as soon as it came on, mainly the chorus, I was like, ah, oh, this song was huge at my, at my school at the time. This is Alicia's Attic. And it is their song, I Am, I Feel. Yeah. Do you know this song? This, yes, yeah. but also hadn't thought of it. Yeah. I love these keyboard intros. Put that purple skirt on, you know it makes me hot. He said, come on, come on, get on, get up, look like you oh, yeah. enjoy my company home. He said he can't change the world, you're not the one of my fools. They're like edgy Spice Girls. Yes, exactly it. So I'd say, I'm going to put that down. This is kind of in that same time of like, so we just talked about uh, Tracy Bonham's Mother Mother with Jess McGuire uh, last week. We've talked about Jill Sabool, I Kissed a Girl. Have you heard that song? Mm-hmm. Yes. Alanis Morissette was around this time as well. I think this is I was going to say, this is very Alanis morissette Yeah, with a bit more of a pop kind of hook to it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, can I just say... I'd never heard that song, what that song was. Like I, as a kid, now I'm realizing this is a feminist song that's saying I am, I am a being, I am, I feel, yep. I, I am, you know, like it's quite philosophical in that, well, it's just like a feminist. Song. I never heard that. I just realized now as a kid, I thought they weren't finishing the sentence. <laughs> they were like, I, I was eight. So I was like, I am, I feel, I remember now being like, you feel what? Yeah, you are I am what? what? Yeah. What? I'm just a little girl not getting the message. And I was like. <laughs> I wish someone had uh, had described this to me. Like Rage is always just like, well, yeah, and the next song. So she would have been like, any girls out there, you matter. And I'd be like, oh, okay. I was the same. It was only a few years ago that I realised that the joke, uh, why did the chicken cross the road to get to the other side meant to die, to get to the other, as in like the other side being. Okay, well, I didn't know that till right now. <laughs> well, yeah, well, that's like, I just thought it was a dumb joke. It's like, it's the obvious answer, but it's like, no, there's a oh. more kind of like, no, to... to Get to the other side, which is like to die and go and beyond. get hit by car and die, yeah, and then be gone. Oh, yeah, okay, so right. Well, you go. I don't know if we can continue this podcast, I have to go <laughs> think, just have to sit and think for a bit. Uh, yeah. Alicia's Attic, two sisters from the UK, Karen and Shelley Poole. Now she's known as Karen McErlane. She married uh, the guitarist from the band Texas. Uh, this song was produced by Dave Stewart from the Eurythmics. Uh, it's their Very debut cool. single, peaked at 14 in the UK, 18 here in Australia. Uh, it was nominated for the prestigious Ivor Novello Award in the UK for Best Lyrical and Melodic Composition. And in 1997, they were added to the first ever tour of the Lilith Fair Festival. So they'd had the year before just the first Lilith tour, but it was just in one place. This time they were going on the road and going all around America. Uh, they were also the support act for In Excess and Bon Jovi in 97. Wow. That's That would have been cool. some big, big shows. Yeah. Uh, I can't believe that's their debut single. It's Yeah. It's- not bad for a it's, debut single. It's pretty good. <laughs> Quite catchy. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Do you know about the Lilith, Lilith Fair tour? No. So Lilith Fair was this uh, female-only festival. Uh, it was kind of created by Sarah McLaughlin, the uh, singer-songwriter. And this is the lineup for the first year on the tour. So Fiona Apple, Tracy Amazing. Bonham, who we talked about last week, Meredith Brooks of uh, mm-hmm. Bitch fame. The Cardigans are on there. 
Tracy Chapman, Cheryl Crow, who oh. we're going to talk about in a minute, the Indigo Girls, Jewel, Emmylou Harris, Lisa Loeb, Sarah McLaughlin, of course, Joan Osborne, like What If God Was One Of Us, Dido, Pat Benatar, and and uh, Beth Orton. So plus about 40 more. Oh, so- my God. And Beth Orton to top it off. They're not, they're not, I know Beth Orton quite well, but I know that a lot of people might not. But yeah. beautiful. So... Um, Wow, a few lesbians there, I reckon. <laughs> I'd say a lot of lesbians in the crowd. <laughs> um, I think the way festivals are at the minute, they should bring back this type of uh, tour. That would sell out yeah. so fast. Yep. Call it We Are, We Feel. Watch yeah. the tickets fly out the wind. I mean, you see a little bit of it, you know, like happening, just but it's usually just like, you know, it's one female artist with a couple supporting female artists and it's always just insane. Like yep. it's always packed. Yeah. And, so and I... it's because there's a movement with like, I imagine back when that was on, it was mostly women, but now you'd get a lot of men. You Absolutely. Know? Yeah. Absolutely. We stand with, guys. we stand with Jewel. This is, so Camp Cope uh, have just stopped uh, being a band. They played their last gig in Melbourne on the weekend. That's right. I think they should They're have went over. out. They should have went out with, with this. They should have just toured a uh, "I am, uh, we am, we feel" to <laughs> we am, we every feel. every single. The only, the only thing about this though that I find, I, I do find it weird. The Cardigans are on this lineup with like eighty percent of the band being guys. Are they? Yeah. Oh yeah, you read their names, but I couldn't tell yeah, from those names what gender they were. Four, four dudes and, and the lead singer is is female. So yeah, well, it goes to show how much people disrespect most of the members of a band yeah. more than just, just a um, female lead. So Alicia's Attic, no longer a band, but still very highly sought after in the world of music as songwriters. So Karen has written songs for Kylie, Danny, Jessica Malboy, Natalie Bathenquite, The Sugar Babes, Lily Allen, Janet Jackson, and Holly Valance. Wow, they they have a type. She has a type. Yeah, a lot of Australians there. And yeah, Shelley, Britain, Australians. Yeah. Shelley has written for Janet Jackson, Mark Ronson, Massive Attack, Roachford, Boyzone, and Westlife. Until the end, I was like, arguably the cooler writer. Yeah. Until the end, I was like, mm, okay. <laughs> Got to get Amazing. those checks though, yeah. So they are, they're kicking. They're probably making a lot of bank right now. Absolutely. Uh, all right, here we go. Moving on. We've played her before. I've stood up for her. When people say that she knew it, that her ex boyfriend was taking steroids, who cares? This is Cheryl Crow, <laughs> and if it makes you happy. I'm gonna have to flip the table during this. Verses are okay, a bit slow. But here we, we all go. know what's coming. We all know what comes next. I gotta say. Yes. Great if course. you want to know whether a song connects with people, you go to go to a pub, a pub in Brisbane on a Sunday afternoon. Yep. Because if that comes on, I even felt it, the shivers then. It is an entire, it's like the entire pub screaming the lyrics. Yeah. Like this is a song that connects with everybody. For the listener, uh, Alex poured herself a Bundy and Coke as the chorus came yeah, just yes. in, the, in the Brisbane <laughs> field. <laughs> 
just so I could scream even louder. It's like honestly, it's it's a it's one that gets the crowd going. It really for does. a slow song, everyone gets on board. It is a lot slower than I remember it. It took a minute ten to get to the chorus, but once the chorus kicks, and what I like about her voice is it sounds like it's about to crack. The best, the best in yeah. Well, this one, the Grammy. Are you for the a best. fan? I am a fan of this song. I am a fan that look. I that Cheryl Crow first album, we had it in the house. My mum quite liked it, so those songs are kind of just seeped into me. So when they come on, it's like, oh, I, I like this song. Uh, and yeah. then uh, the documentary, Cheryl Crow documentary, is great. Her story is great. Uh, oh yeah, you told me to watch that, and I still I did, haven't gotten yeah. around to it. But it's, does she have connections with Jackson? Yeah, was she. That she, her? she yeah, was, she's a backup backing singer. Yeah. Yeah, you told me that great story about how she just kind of wormed her way in there. Yeah, it was good. Uh, so this song won the best uh, female vocal uh, in the 97 Grammys. Uh, it was the first single from the, her 96 album, self-titled. Uh, it was the last time she's been in the top 10 in the Billboard Hot 100 charts. This got to number one in Canada, which of course it did. It's so, it's so Canadian, <laughs> even though she's not. But it's this thing of like it's a bit rock, a bit country, a bit poppy. Canada. Canada's just Australia of the North and they love this kind of shit. Uh, yeah, yeah. Nine in the UK, 20 here, 12 in New Zealand. It also placed on Q Magazine's list of the 1001 greatest songs ever written, 663. How do you even pick a thousand songs? I know, it's ridiculous. Uh, it was one behind Prince's If I Was Your Lover, one in front of T-Rex's 20th Century Boy, nine songs better than David Bowie's Life on Mars, which I'll argue, no, it's not. But that's no, right. no. But us Dazza on a Sunday afternoon. Yeah. Okay. Hey, I, I've got, RG's in Queensland. Is oh, RG's? Uh, no. What's is it? Fast Ricks. Right, uh, RE's. There's RG's is in. Um, sorry, that's in Toowong. RE's okay. is the Royal Exchange. Oh, okay. And and uh, is it? That's in the Valley. Ricks. They do really cheap. Ricks breakfast. is next to R. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Next door. Yeah. Like a you, five, know, you, you know dollar, your stuff. Five dollar breakfast, yeah. Yeah. Oh my god! And there used to be like cockroaches running around on the floor, but I didn't care. <laughs> um, here's the top ten of the one thousand one greatest songs ever written. We'll start right. from number ten. I can Tina Turner, River Deep, Mountain High. Great song. No arguments. Uh, Oasis, Live Forever. I'm an Oasis person, so I okay. am too. Uh, yeah. De- Destiny's Child, Independent Woman, Women, Part One. Mm. Yeah. Creep by Radiohead, number seven. Eminem's My Name Is, number six. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Elvis Presley in the Ghetto. The Beatles, A Day in the Life. Nirvana, Smells Like Teen Spirit, number three. Number two, this is shocking to me. I think it's a great song, but the fact it's number two. Rebecca Black, Friday. I follow. Do you follow Rebecca Black on Instagram? No, no. Should I? Yeah, you should. She is amazing. Uh, okay. I say a little prayer. Aretha Franklin, number two. I think. No, it's a great song, but it's not a. It's not a top ten. It's a fun song. Yeah. It's a uh, sing along, but like a a brunch sing along. And number one, because it's Q Magazine, you two one. Oh, for fuck's sake. You two shouldn't even be in the top 200. Q Magazine, love, love you two. Every single album, I reckon they'll be given five stars. All right, moving on. Our first Australian uh, song of the compilation. This is Savage Garden and the follow-up to Chikachiri Cola. This is To The Moon and Back. Here we go. Oh, Epic intro for a small pop band. A really big song, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Some Queensland boys. Yeah. 
Darren Hayes is very popular to this day. Yeah. People love him. That's why she shies away from human affection. But somewhere in a private place, she packs back for outer space. And now she's waiting for the right kind of pilot to come. And she'll say to All right, that's all we can play. Okay, so this is their first number one here in Australia. It also won Aria Song of the Year in '97. Uh, I had this album, I believe. I I didn't on, I, C- on CD. I I remember my girlfriend at the time had it. She yeah. she quite liked it. I remember not minding the first song, uh, "Ooh, I Want You." Uh, and then this one, I was like, oh, this is, <laughs> Ooh, I want you. this is too poppy. Uh, it got to three in the UK, 24 in the States. Uh, it I, is very poppy, but at the start, you don't think that's coming, do you? No. You're like, what is this robot anthem? That's amazing. You said, because this is what the lyrics, at the song is meant to be. They wrote it from the perspective of Blade Runner. You know, the movie Blade oh Runner? Gosh. Yeah. Yeah. They wrote it from the idea of what it means to be human. And I didn't know this, that Blade Runner was an adapt- adaptation of the Philip K. Dick novel, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, which is such a better title than Blade Runner. It's it's like, it feels like they, it's so wild when you hear stories like this, because often people are like, oh, I just wrote about my ex-relationship. Yeah. And Darren Hayes is like, oh, I'm going to write from the perspective of a robot in Blade Runner. <laughs> um, this wasn't the version, version that charted, though. Uh, they re-released it, because this song goes for 5 minutes 40, but they uh, took a minute and a half off it, and so they got it down to that three minute thirty uh, for radio. They they cut the fat. Yeah, they, you didn't That's hear that saying. big in lead comedy. Up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They cut the fat. Um, um, I'm I'm a, I'm a fan of this album in general. I think they're great. I think they've I feel aged like, really well. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like some bands I hear on Triple J try to sound like this today. I I reckon there's a. I was listening to a band the other day. And I was like, oh, this sounds to me very much like Killing Heidi. Oh, yeah. I can't remember the band, I mean, there's though. like a... But, yeah. I don't know who it would be, but go yeah. Killing Heidi. <laughs> yeah. All right, moving on. Uh, there's a few to get through. What have we got next? We're up oh. to five. We're halfway through. Halfway okay. through. Uh, this is... Oh, this is some, some kind of R&B. Hope you're ready to get sexy, listeners. This is Keith Sweat. And his song, oh, Twisted. Great name. Mr. Sweat. Yep. Sir Sweat. We've talked about him before. He, he was the man who discovered the band Silk and their song, Freak Me. The <laughs> sexiest song we've talked about so far. Oh, This the whole it's, way. It's just this smooth kind I, of yeah. Not that I can do any better, but it's 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 a bit of a nothing song. It is. I do like the background. All right, if you like it, you can go listen to it. It's on Spotify. Uh, so the background singers are cut close. He shouts out them at the start. Says, "Can you help me out here? Cut close." And they. Start singing. Oh, I love. I love. I do like a little act out in the song. Yeah, that is good. Although I mean, feel like today people are like too much auto tune, and I feel like when I hear that, I'm like, oh, not. It could have used a little, just a little auto tune. <sighs> so the the Keith Sweat story was he was a nightclub singer for years, uh, had day jobs for a while. He worked at the New York Stock Exchange, 
And then in 87, he and a guy called Teddy Riley co-wrote his debut single, I Want Her, which uh, peaked at number five in the US charts. And from then he was off. Uh, he used uh, Cut Close in this song. It was his biggest ever solo hit, number two in America, this song. Really? Uh, so to... do you, were you familiar with this artist? I've never heard no. of him. I, I was right. only because we've talked about him with uh, Silk. That's the only reason I heard of yeah. Keith Sweat. Uh, 20 in Australia, it got to. New Zealand loved it. Number one for six weeks. <laughs> Canada it's, hated it. Yeah, Canada, no. They too busy with Cheryl Crow, New Zealand. Yeah, not enough acoustic. Um, yeah, well, I don't like it. I mean, so far I've loved every song, and it's not just because it's a male lead, even though we yeah. are recording this on International Women's Day. We are, uh, yes. Happy International Women's yes. Day. Sorry, thanks. Alex, I didn't say that. No, thanks for making me work. Yeah. No worries. I always um, find that funny when, uh, people, like, I think Triple J do it, where they have the whole day of just women working, and I'm like, surely you should give them all the day off. Like, Oh, absolutely. The community <laughs> radio in Melbourne, you know which one I yeah. mean. Um, this morning I was like, where's breakfast? <laughs> I just gave it away, but where are they? There's just one woman on. I'm like, oh, yeah make her do it all yeah yeah. <laughs> um, yeah have you seen the film clip of this song no i've never i don't remember this song and i i mean I, so far every every song i can have a picture of the video clip almost yep. in my head well this is peak 90s film clip it tells a whole story in the four four minutes 20 so keith sweat is a homicide detective on the case of a murder turns out the murderer is a sexy woman that's why he's always sweating. Yeah. He's chasing criminals. She escapes from Keith, handcuffs and all, only to end up when he goes home in his apartment with the handcuffs. Uh-oh. And Keith, Alex, he's just a man. He, he, he can't find the key. He, he can't he, find the key. He can't. He's he just can't, a man. He can't say no to a sexy woman who's just murdered someone and broken into his house. So he has to, has to have sex with her. You'd be foolish I mean, not to, is. Alex. I mean, she's about to go away for a long time as well, so he's got one opportunity. So they have sex, and wouldn't you know, being a man, falls asleep, she escapes again. (laughs) He he awakens to a phone call to come and catch the suspect, but he arrives too late, and his co-workers shoot her. She's trying to climb a fire escape, and they shoot her while she's on the fire escape. Amazingly, though... When he gets there, she's still on the ladder hanging there. So the rigor mortis set in very, very quickly with this sexy woman. So she's hanging on there dead. She's hanging on a fire escape. She's been shot from it, but she's just hanging there. Like, this took a big turn. I did not expect this in the video. This full. Oh my God. It's a a good video. It's real good. I understand why the New Zealanders wanted to watch it for six weeks in a row. Uh, at least he got to nut before she died. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we think. We think. We don't, sh- we don't see that. He's yet. like, oh, yeah. I shouldn't have used a condom. God. <laughs> All right. Hey, we're going to take a break. We'll be back after these messages. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. And we're back. With a band that, Alex, you've already mentioned. You mentioned that you were listening to these on your Walkman. This is a band we're going to talk about so much in the next few episodes. Uh, This is the second time they've been on. This is what was originally meant to be their debut single, but the girls stood firm and said, no, Wannabe has to be the lead single. This is the Spice Girls and their song, Say You'll Be There. Love the xylophone. Yeah. It's like they're trying to do that Snoop Dogg, Dr. Dre kind of organ sound, but they've yeah, only got yeah, a small yeah. little cassette to do it on. Yeah. 
chimes. <laughs> Good. It sounds like spinning around by Carly just there. Yeah, so much. Spinning around. Yep. I love the breathless sometimes. The All right. So that was their second number one hit in the UK. It was released here like months later in Australia, which is so funny that they could do that. Like, Yeah, there's the internet. wasn't yeah. really a thing yet. Not so really. they could just be like, well, unless someone takes a tape on the plane. Yep. They're fine. Unless someone's cousin comes and visits from, from England to the to Australia and hands it out. Uh, so in America, it was released in May of 97, which is like wild. Uh, so like all the songs on their first album, Spice, it was co-written by the band themselves. This one was from a session they did with a guy called Elliot Kennedy. So this story is pretty cool. So the Elliot Kennedy songwriting sessions were booked in, but then they just left their management heart um, because those idiots in charge there were like, Hey, girls! I know you want to write the songs, but nah, you don't. Don't you don't need to be in the, in in the creative process. We'll, we'll handle that. You guys just work on your dance moves and singing. And so they're like, yeah. no, no. And so they left and uh, smart because they made way more money through this because they get all the publishing rights as well. So the session was booked in uh, by the Spice Girls, uh, but they left their manager. So they didn't know the studio they were meant to go in. They knew it was in Sheffield and they knew it was with Elliot Kennedy. So what they did is they drove to Sheffield, all of them in the car, stopped at a servo, asked for a phone book and then started calling every E Kennedy in the phone book. He was the third one to pick up and he liked their tenacity, liked their spunk and said, all right, cool. We'll we'll keep the session going. All right, we'll do it. And so in this first session, he had this song, he had the chorus and then they came up with the melodies and the lyrics, changed a bit of the chorus, and then two years later, number one song. That's so cool. It's cool, <laughs> isn't it? They're still, I reckon, the best pop girl girl band. I don't know. Maybe it's just because they were my first obsession, like as in pop yep. group. Yeah. Well, it's, it's not. I don't know. They were my first obsession. Like I had the pencil case, the backpack, oh, the that... life, the the full life size poster, which was my life size at eight. Did so you did you have the uh, I think was it Impulse I think they, they had deodorant oh, I know that if I if they had it I had it yeah like yeah I had the Impulse deodorant who was your favorite Spice Girl um I liked Baby yeah because I think every little girl just wants to be we're taught to be like oh we want to be the innocent one um, but then whenever my friends and I played can I guess who we you played were? the Spice Girls they made yeah. you be sporty. No, because oh. um, there was a sportier girl. I had to be posh because also just because I was a brunette. That's okay. almost as, as much as it comes down to. Yeah. But I also could sometimes play baby just because I put my foot down. On uh, Patreon, I used to do a podcast called Top 5 where one of the top fives was Top 5 Spice Girls. And I put baby last and Catherine Allen, who was the other guest, was very angry. <laughs> and I'm like, well, one of them has to be last. I just find yeah. her the least interesting one. Arguably now I had it all wrong. Now I'd want to be like scary or sporty. Yeah. Posh and baby are down the bottom. Yeah. I put sporty my number one. Um, hey, this song, uh, there was a bit of controversy in 1996 when an Israeli singer slash soldier, Edith Shekman, accused the group of copying her song uh, Boale, which is uh, it's called Come To Me. Uh, it was released two years earlier in Israel and they threatened to sue and the Spice Girls said, okay, Sue us. They said, where there's a hit, there's a writ. There's always someone who crawls out of the woodwork claiming to have written a hit song. We look forward to seeing her in court. And they won, uh, they won the court happened. case. Yeah, yeah great. Uh, also, it has a similar uh, chorus to a song called Say You'll Be There. Uh, oh, no, sorry. To a song I was going to say, that is similar. Yeah, no, to a song called What You Are To Me by a band called After Seven. Uh, and he released that in 95. And on their Greatest Hits album uh, and the reissue of Girl Power Live in Istanbul, uh, he is credited as a um, co-written by uh, this person, Jonathan David Buck. So so obviously he went, hey, there's similarities. Just give me a songwriting credit and I won't sue. And they're like, okay. Okay. They were like, yeah, whatever. (laughs) Yeah. Cool. That's that's the uh, Noel Gallagher approach as well. He's always like, yeah, fine. But they must have taken something then. Yeah, or they just realised it's the same chords and went, yeah, we can't argue yeah, yeah. that it's uh, Yeah, not. you can't, yeah. Yeah. 
All right. Did you like that song? Yeah, I think the chorus is my least favorite part of the song, though. Yeah, I think the rest is. Um, I don't know if I. I don't even know if I like it or it's just some deep nostalgia. Yeah, that I liked it at the time. Would you think if they released that first before Wannabe, they would have the same career? No. No, I don't think it would be number one if they released that first. I mean, their Wannabe is just so. It's almost childlike in its like sing along a bit like sing along ability, yeah. and that was what they they appealed to small girls, and yes. it just went crazy. I think they almost taught them how to do that, to, yeah. like the listeners. They taught the seven year old girls how to. This is like a pop sing along type band, yeah, that we'd never seen, and then that was like a bit too advanced, probably. Also, and they introduced the band in the song. They're like this. These is who we are, and yeah, like yeah, that. Such Just, a good they were statement. they were correct that, that that had to be first. Yeah. All right. Moving on. Uh, we have talked about <laughs> this... Tori Amos before. Yes. Go for it. No, I was just say it is crazy they introduced the band. Like it's like the start yeah. of a sh- TV show or something. Yeah. Like it's like a theme. And then of course they went on to have a movie. They're yeah. Like it's pretty much. Yeah. Anyway, go on. Apparently making oh, a sequel oh. to the movie. I don't think Jeffrey Rush will be in this one. All right. Uh, <laughs> this is. Tori Amos and the Armand Van Helden remix of her song Professional Widow. So much robot back then. Yeah. I can't, I'm not sure this was it, but I think this was like. The theme song for an ABC sports program. I think. Oh yeah. It sounds like some basement jack song as well. Here we go. That's 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 all we can play. Yep. Uh, so we've talked about Tori Amos in the past. Precocious talent, age five, the youngest person ever to be a student at the Peabody Institute. Won a talent contest when she was a kid by playing the original composition that the contestant before her played. I talked about this with Zan Rowe, but it's like, uh, was it Zan? No, it was someone else. But it was a wild story where the kid before her went, oh, this is a song I wrote. And Tori Amos was next and heard it once and went, all right, I'm going to go play the same song to show that I'm amazing. Oh, my God. Pretty cool. That is also, incredible. It's also, a very good story. Like, what a what a bitchy thing to do. <laughs> Absolute. But that's why she got so far. Yeah. Gotta uh, have that. Imagine if I did that at like a raw competition. I know. Just go up and do the like same, just same. Did your exact set after you and they were like, that wouldn't have the same impressive. Even if I remembered <laughs> word for word, they wouldn't be impressed. Uh, she got kicked out of the Peabody Institute uh, for being more inspired by rock music than jazz and classical. Tori is not a real name. Uh, what is it? Well, Liberal. I don't know. I didn't write down what a real name is, but I know what, where Tori comes from because uh, a friend's boyfriend said that she looked like a Tory pine tree. <laughs> and so they just, everyone called her Tori. Uh, so this um, song. This, is this more upbeat than most of Tori? Like, yeah, I don't we, remember her music being so. This is the remix of the song. So this yeah, song right. originally, uh, allegedly about uh, Courtney Love called Professional Widow. Uh, and Amos said she'd never met love and that the song uh, was about her own experience and part of myself that's Lady Macbeth. But then, it, that was in 96, but then in 2003, uh, she was on a TV show and someone said, oh, this song's inspired by uh, Courtney Love. And she kind of smiled and said, oh, allegedly. So she didn't really deny it. Mm. Right. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think that if this came on and like at a party today, people would still love it. Yeah, so let's still get up and dance. It's yep. sort of not aged that much either. So, I mean, it's obviously of the time, but it still works. Yeah, Armin van Helden uh, 
talked about this remix because this, this is like when people think about this song, they think about the remix, not the actual original song. They think about this version yeah. of it. And he said that uh, she was contractually obliged to uh, approve all remixes. And when the remix became popular in Europe, she actually called him to thank him personally. And uh, in 98, in an interview, she said that uh, this version of the song kicked her ass a bit. And she knew that Van Helden took uh, uh, what he did and uh, made some very clever um, decisions. And they're two different pieces of work. And the original is such a different read. And she loved the fact that he didn't try and retain that and just went completely to another another position with it. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. Uh, it came at number 98 in the Hottest 100 of 96. Um, and Rolling Stone ranked it the 109th greatest dance song of all time. Okay, fair. It yeah. is a good dance song. I good was dance. having a dance. Yeah. The listeners couldn't see it. All right. My glow sticks were out. I couldn't yeah. <laughs> she put the Bundy and Coke down, glow sticks came out. <laughs> all right, next song. Very cool band to be on this uh, list. They were, they were signed uh, to the Beastie Boys Grand Royal label, so maybe we'll get some more Grand Royal acts in future episodes. This is Luscious Jackson and their song, Naked Eye. Bit of a slow start. That's all we can play. I, I find the verses more interesting than the chorus in that song. Yeah. And I also find uh, the verses could be released today. Given an English accent, you've got yourself a wet leg song. I was just thinking that. I was actually thinking I'd never heard that song was sort of familiar, but not really. Yeah. Um, and listening to that song, I reckon I'll listen to that three more times today. Yeah. Oh, good. That's a song of all the songs. Like that's the one that now yep. is the most appealing to me so far. Like that is a song that I can imagine I'd just buy a CD of, of CD, not CD, you know, yep. a Spotify stream of today. Uh, so Luscious Jackson, named after baseball player Lucius Jackson, bit of a play on words there, a bit like the Dandy Warhols. And also Pearl Jam, when they were first a band, were called Mookie Blaylock, which is after an NBA player, but at the time he was playing in college. He was a really good uh, college player. Uh, the band formed in 91 in New York. This is their signature song. Only time they cracked the top 40 uh, at 37, uh, this got in America. Uh, it so, was beyond their years. They didn't get it. Yeah. No one really. got it. Uh, so their drummer in the band, Kate Schellenbach, uh, was also the drummer with the Beastie Boys, which, you know, the That's connection cool. with uh, Grand Royal. And she's now a TV producer working as a segment producer on shows such as Ellen, James Corden, Chelsea Lately and Whitney Cummings' short-lived show, uh, Love You, Mean It. Is this the drummer? The drummer, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Multi-talented. Yep. So she's just segment producing. She's going, all right, we're going to come on and Ellen, you're going to dance around in the crowd. Go. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of it is for some reason has yeah. her drumming in the background. Yes. What if we have a segment <laughs> where you have to dance to one of Naked Eye maybe? Uh, they were on the Clueless soundtrack, not this song, but another song in 95. So that you know, they had other they songs. Were there. Yeah, they were they were around. And in the hottest one hundred of ninety seven, this song got to ninety nine. So Ooh. the second the second song in. That's good though. Ninety I reckon if you're in the hottest one hundred nineties, you just have a really good song that doesn't it just doesn't appeal to the masses. Yeah, yeah. The cooler the cooler people are into it. All right, this is our last song. Our last song. Okay. You know what? I reckon Alex, you've been blessed with a good range of songs. 
Sometimes yeah. it's just all Eurodance. We could just cut out Mr. Sweat. It's been yeah. awesome. <laughs> Great. All right. This is our final song. This is a cover of uh, the Blue Oyster Cult. This is the Mutton Birds from New Zealand with Don't Fear the Reaper. More robot. No cowbell in this one. Even I could play this on keys. I didn't know this was a cover. Yeah. The whole song, just on the key. Yeah. That's all we play. So this was recorded for the film uh, The Frighteners by Peter Jackson of Lord of the Rings, before Lord of the Rings, though, of course. Uh, this uh, peaked at 48 here in Australia, the only time they charted here. They'd already had a big song, another cover in uh, New Zealand, with a song called Nature by a band called Formula, which we talked about on a previous episode as being voted the number one New Zealand, most loved New Zealand song of all time. Really? Yeah. I mean, that. do you like that song? I think that's a pretty good song. This song here, Don't Fear the Reaper. Yeah, but I didn't know yeah. it was a cover. Yeah, I think yeah. it's great. So this is the song. This is The song's most famous these days for being the song in the More Cowbell sketch on SNL. Have you seen this sketch? Will yeah. Ferrell? Yeah. So the Blue Oyster Cult, That the whole sketch is based on the cowbell in the Blue Oyster Cult original version of this song. Right. Okay. So yeah. that's where I've heard it. But yeah. I also was like, but you're not really listening to the song like that. that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So this reminds me of a, song, a band, The Bats or something. I don't know. Do you oh, know that band? Yeah, they're, that they're reminds New me. It well, sounds right. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like that. It sounds like they must have been around the same era, maybe. I would say so. Yeah. Um, there's not much about to talk about the mutton birds. Have you ever had a mutton bird? No. So they're like. Is it they're, food? <laughs> it, well, it's a bird, and you can eat them. And in Tasmania, there there's a lot of mutton birds, especially on King Island. They have a lot of mutton birds. They're these greasy disgusting fucking birds that people love. Like, I can't stand What's them. What's it similar to? Like quail or is it bigger? Yeah, like they're, they're bigger. Yeah, it's like like a greasy pigeon you're eating. Uh, apparently <laughs> really good healthy fats in it, but I'm I'm not buying it because you see all the fat come off. Because, like, you can cook them multiple ways. The most popular way in Bernie was on the barbecue and just the amount of fat coming off them. You have to throw your barbecue out. That's how gross they oh, were. Oh, fuck. Okay. And just the smell, yeah. just this grease. Oh, so gross. But people like. I'm imagining dark meat for some reason, even though it's a yeah, bird. Yeah. It's, it, it, no, it's not. It's, yeah, it's not like a fluffy white meat. That's for sure. Uh, but how you. So you go mutton birding, which is because they, they nest on the ground. They nest in tunnels, actually. And uh, so they, uh, you get ferrets and put the ferret down and the mutton birds run out and then you catch them. And that's how I was going to say, I got a couple of Jack Russells that'd probably be that, that, great yeah, for that. That'd yeah, help. yeah. So, because I hated ferrets as a kid, because friends of mine had ferrets because their dad would go mutton birding, just big, long, stinky rats. Fucking. <laughs> my kids wanted to get ferrets. So I was like, no. Got a, no. I've really, I've got a great visual of like someone barbecuing mutton on the barbecue while this plays in the background, yeah. or like twisted by Kevin Sweat or whatever his name is. Like, um, like, oh. So I want to talk about the SNL sketch uh, that this yeah. is most famous for. So uh, I've watched that a few times. Often I just ranked didn't as the, the, the best, the best sketch. It was written by Will Ferrell. Apparently, it had been submitted seven times before uh, they finally got accepted and put it on air. The first time it was uh, like submitted to be on the show, Norm Macdonald was the host, so he would have played the Christopher Walken, uh, Bruce yeah. Dickinson role. I feel uh, like that sort of would have worked as well, though. Yeah, not quite as funny, but no. very. But it was, uh, wasn't until they rewrote it for Christopher Walken that they were like, yeah, this fits the actor's rhythm. And uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. And so according to uh, Will Ferrell and Lorne Michaels, the producer of um, SNL, it didn't do well in the dress rehearsal that night. And so uh, Will Ferrell had the idea of putting a smaller shirt on to try and make it funnier. 
<laughs> that's that's grasping at straws there, yeah. isn't it? But he didn't tell the others in in the sketch that he was going to wear a shorter shirt or a smaller shirt. And so everyone, or not everyone, but um, Horatio Sands and Jimmy Fallon are laughing. And it, there's one bit where you actually see uh, Will Ferrell break character, which apparently I've heard him say in interviews he hated breaking character. It was the worst feeling. Whereas Jimmy Fallon seemed to do it all the time. Jimmy Fallon, what character, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so there's a few mistakes though in the sketch. So Christopher Walken portrays Bruce Dickinson, but the song's actually produced by David Lucas. Um, and uh, Bruce Dickinson's name appears on the uh, best of as a, as a manager. And so the, the intern who went out and got a copy of it to get all the names uh, correct got the wrong uh, version, didn't get the album, got the greatest hits version. And so, um, yeah, that's why the person's name is Bruce Dickinson in it. I'm sure it didn't really matter in the it end. It didn't matter in the sketch. All no. those SNL fans are like. Although I'm sure David Lucas is like, oh, that could have been could have been me in that famous sketch. Yeah, sucked in. Yeah. All right. So what we do at the end of every episode, yeah. Alex, is we go through and they say it's 100% hits. So we go through song by song and you determine whether or not it is a hit, according to you, just you, your, your Okay. Tests. Okay, yeah. so we, we start off with Love Fool by The Cardigans. Is that a hit? It's a hit. Absolutely. Alicia's I feel like Attic. I've got a good one. you got a really I mean, good one. I think it's a hit. I am, I feel, hit. If It Makes You Happy by Sheryl Crow. Yes, it is, but, like, it is a hit. It is yeah. a hit. Hit. For the reasons that it is so over. And all-encompassing. To the Moon and Back by Savage Garden. I just feel like I'm going to say they're all hits. It's a hit. That's right. Twisted by Keith Sweat. Not a hit. Not a hit. Spice Girls, Say You'll Be There. I actually reckon not a hit. Not a hit. Okay. Professional Widow, Tori Amos, the Armin Van Helden remix. Banger. Hit. Big hit. Naked Eye, Luscious Jackson. Hit. And Don't Fear the Reaper, the Mutton Birds. Hit. That's seven out of nine. That's good. 77% oh, hits. The Mutton the mutton Birds song, um, yeah, that's one of those songs I heard. And I was like, oh, we could have just stopped at music there. That feels like good. Yeah. You know? that's good. Why did that's we great. keep going? <laughs> yeah. That's music. <laughs> that's, that's our podcast. That's music. Hey, thank you so much, Alex, for doing this. You've got some shows in the Comedy Thanks, Festival coming Josh. up. I do. I'm at Comedy Republic. Oh, my God. It was like 23 shows. So come along. 8.30 during the festival, Comedy Republic on Burke Street. And doing it in Brisbane as well? Brisbane and yep. Sydney. So May um, in May, I'm in uh, Sydney, then Brisbane. Great. So please come along. Go and see Alex Ward. Hey, it's... if you're in Melbourne, I'm doing my podcasts at the European Beer Cafe. It will be known by Morris House by that stage, but it's the European Beer Cafe. Uh, Saturdays at 3 o'clock, 4 Don't You Know Who I Am's. And then on April 4, I'm doing the... 100% hits, best of the best of 97. So one of these songs I know is being covered by someone. Uh, Amazing. Loveful. Better be go. Cheryl Crow. It's, it's Loveful. I'm sorry. Jordan Barr is going to sing Loveful. Uh, and then that's on April 4 at the Max Watts Part of Festival Club. And then April 18, we have the Don't You Know Who I Am. Uh, and I can confirm these three acts are on. So Mark Watson is on. Uh, Deanne Smith is on and Sarah Schaefer from America. She's going to be part of Headliner, so she's going to do it as well, waiting to confirm the other guests, but make sure you get a ticket for that one as well. Tickets are at joshearl.com.au, plus my kids show if you've got kids aged between like 5 and 10. They'll dig it. That's all I need to say. You guys are the best. i got one more thing to oh, say. One little um, teaser is I do actually play a song that was a big hit in the 90s in my show. So oh. you've got to come see that. Excellent. Thank you all for listening. You're the absolute best. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.